we ask that you use stories like Zach's uh, to inspire us towards finding our place in you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, well, switching gears um, a fair amount, some of you who, uh, who, who might know me a little while might not be surprised to find out that um, back in college, I lived with uh, six other guys. So there's seven of us uh, total. And uh, all of us, I think, in the house considered ourselves, present company included, um, quite the, the, the pranksters. And uh, <laughs> the, the pranks had sort of a, a rhythm to it or a cadence about it where uh, something would happen innocent enough and then it would sort of escalate more and more and more and more until, until finally it would just be something way too like over the top, across the line. Apologies had to be exchanged. Forgiveness uh, had on uh, several parts. And everything would start all over again. So, so for example, just one of the pranks, somebody would uh, run by the bathroom and, and, and take a, a bucket of ice-cold water and just dump it over the, the shower curtain, just drowsing the other person. Just icy, just shrieks would be had, taken off. That person, uh, the said showerer, would ex- return the favor by taking a bucket of ice-cold Kool-Aid. <laughs> And running by and just like dumping it into the shower. And if, as if that wasn't quite over the line enough, the first person would come back and take uh, said Kool-Aid, cherry flavored to be uh, for the, as the best. And it, why am I saying this? <laughs> anyway, and, and mix it into the shampoo. <laughs> and that was maybe what was over the line. <laughs> And you could just kind of imagine the conversation in between hand, right? Where, where it, it went something like this. Well, wh- listen, what choice do I have? I mean, I can't let him get away with it. I have to, and here it is, I have to get even. It's just something inside of us that just so desperately longs to get even, a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half or so, it was trending on uh, Facebook, a video clip of, of a, a woman, uh, camera phone out, uh, taping the uh, truck, this mean, angry-looking big truck behind her, and it like pulls off to the side, offers a hand gesture that's not so friendly, and, and cuts her off. And I mean, the story doesn't end there. The truck cuts her off, drives uh, through the intersection, loses control into the median, takes out about a dozen signs or so. The truck is just almost completely wrecked, and she's taping it, like laughing the whole time. And we love stories like that. And the follow-up to that is since she got it all uh, on video, the, the cops could go to her ho- his house later because of the license plate and, and ticket him for leaving the scene of an accident. And there's something about that story that we're like, yeah, he got what he's coming to, what's coming to him. That, that she got even with him. And you want to get even too, it's okay to admit, it's a safe space, I do too. It's a church, is a, uh, not a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. So, so we've got no problem admitting to each other that there's something inside of us that desperately wants to get revenge, to get even, maybe with a little interest added on. <laughs> you want to get even. Maybe you are the, the person in the car with the angry truck cut off, only you didn't see it go into the median and take out the signs and watch him get a ticket. 
And you're still waiting for that to happen and saying, I, if only there was something that I could do to get even, what other choice do I have? Uh, getting back from the grocery store, maybe this weekend, and, and the store promises buy one, get one free. <laughs> only the weirdest thing happens, it seems like they, they like always forget to credit you the free one. And so you get home, looking at their seat, saying, they, they did it again. It's not worth going back to the store for $3 or so. But, but there's something inside of us that says, like, if only there was something that I could do to get even. And friends go, we're not heading out tonight. It's going to be a slow night, just kind of taking it easy inside. Hey, call me tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're going to hang out. And you can almost watch in real time as they check in to like three different places downtown. Watch the videos, watch the pictures online. And say, I thought, no, you lied to me. And I want to get even. And there's something in me that wants revenge. What other choice do I have? Good question. On the front side, there's this idea about getting even. That's one choice. If somebody wrongs me and I have completely the option, I want to get even with them with interest. And there's a handful of places in the Bible that you could go to say, you know, it's not just me. I'm not the only one who wants to get even. God apparently is on my side. God wants me to get even too. I invite you to turn uh, your flow sheet over or on the front. And uh, as we look at Exodus uh, chapter 21, it was just read uh, the few verses here in context, 22 to 25, also on the screen behind me. In Exodus, it says, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, The offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is a serious injury, and here it is, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. That line in there probably sounds familiar maybe to a few of us. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You know, and you could even uh, look at it and say, you know, exactly, because God cares about justice. God cares about evening the score. God cares about whatever's right in this world. And, and, and so God is on my side when I want to I get even with interest. Uh, the Bible passage comes to us in this series that we've been working through for a number of weeks now. It's called The Misused Bible. <laughs> and so if there's something in here that you're like going, I'm sorry, my takeaway from church this week is go out and get even <laughs> with interest. That, doesn't, that hopefully doesn't sound right to you. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But I think that's how we, we see a, pi- a Bible passage like this. It's to say, yeah, God cares about justice. He wants me to get even. So, Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, wound for wound, burn for burn, hand for hand, foot for foot. We're getting even. Now, real quick, just to point out how the passage is misused. This is not intended for personal um, vendettas at all. In case I, in fact, I included the, the first part of the passage here about, yeah, if two people are fighting and the woman is pregnant, she gives birth prematurely. It's like, that's a, 
that's an odd way of describing the situation leading up to eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's like, oh, wait, hang on. Exodus 21, if you're to like flip through the Bible and look at the second half of Exodus, the author here is setting up an entire, almost like legal code of how this new nation of Israel is supposed to act. These are the rules that they ought to abide by. He's not saying like, hey, Frank, yeah, are you, uh, hey, eye for eye, pal. Somebody hurts you, you know what to do. No, he's talking to like everybody saying, these are the rules that we as a community are going to abide by. And if somebody hurts you, And this is what's interesting. If somebody hurts you, you don't go after them for everything they've got. If somebody hurts you, it's almost like there's a line drawn in the sand and say, this is how far you can go and and do not step over. You see, in some cultures, in a lot of cultures in the time, if you were to steal a loaf of bread, you could lose your hand. If you were to disrespect, dishonor the wrong person in an honor-shame culture like that, you could, use, you could lose your life. And so the fascinating thing about, about this book, I think, is just the way that God shares grace and even something like a, like a legal code is to say, listen, if somebody rips you off, there's a line that you do not cross. Like, we're, we're limiting the amount of punishment that, that can be inflicted on somebody. And by the way, you are not the one to exact that punishment. Leave it up to the state. Hey, maybe even leave it up to the Lord to decide. Maybe it's his case to judge. It's not the, it's not the misused Bible verse that I want to highlight, though. So you can see how this happens, this conversation goes. Somebody, uh, somebody now takes it into their own hands to say, listen, it's my task, I'm going to get revenge. They misread it now and to say, I- I'm going to take eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's my responsibility and right to get even. The same thing happened back then. The same thing happened uh, in, in Jesus' day. By the time he comes around, uh, a couple thousand years later, it just became so ingrained into the culture that, listen, it's not up to anybody else. It's up to me. I get to get even with interest. So you know what? Um, you knock my tooth out, I'm going to knock your tooth out. You know, I don't even, I don't care if you knock my tooth out on accident with a two-by-four. I'm knocking your tooth out. Like, this is how extreme that it gets. So even accidents, it doesn't matter what the motive was, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. It got so out of hand, these personal vendettas that the people had against each other, Jesus picks it up. And in Matthew 5, he goes, answers the question, what choice do I have? On the one hand, I, if I'm wrong, I can get even, eye for eye. And then Jesus says this, uh, Matthew 5, verse 38, screen, flow sheet. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Funny, we, we, we just heard that like two seconds ago. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He gives a, a general principle, right? Listen, you have heard that it's been said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, insert general principle here. 
Don't resist an evil person. And then he gives three examples uh, after that. And he gives the example, if somebody uh, hits you, if somebody sues you, if somebody um, forces you to... to <laughs> so I just think of like if your lovely spouse forces you to run a mile occasionally, you should go with them two, two miles. No, <laughs> probably not the culture. Context, people. Um, We have our alternatives laid out before us. The general principle is, is, is don't resist an, an evil person. And we tend to think what that means is as opposed to, to getting even with interest, as opposed to getting back, I guess I ought not to do anything. Don't react. Don't up the ante. Don't get even. Lie down. Accept it. It works. When you're talking about things like pranks, you know, if, if somebody pours cold water over your head in the shower, there's ultimately no harm done. Listen, the best thing that you can do is probably just to let it go. Don't do anything. You know, it works when, when people cut you off. The thing to do is probably not to, to tailgate them after that. You know, it, it works to an extent. And so we see Jesus' words saying, essentially, give up your right to get even. If you're a fully devoted uh, Jesus follower, if you're, if you're well uh, into his uh, steps, in sync with God, you'll lie down. You'll do nothing. And then you hear a story of a close one, friend, sister. And you hear just this, this nasty, depraved, just this disgusting story about how she like caught in this violent relationship. In addition, you say, like, why? Why is she still there? Why not get out? And someone says, well, listen. She told a couple of her friends, and her friend said, if you're a fully committed follower of Jesus, you're going to give up your right. And you're going to lie down. You're not going to react. You're going to do Nothing. doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like, like that is something that would somehow honor God. It sounds like it's just the exact opposite of what would honor God. What do we do? I just want to ask, is it possible have we misread what Jesus is saying? Have we taken our own kind of understanding about what we think Jesus is saying and overlapped it on all kinds of situations and scenarios that it simply doesn't belong? In fact, is it possible that that's never what Jesus meant at all? That the options were not get even with interest or do nothing, but he had something entirely else in mind. 
Uh, a lot of this um, uh, comes from uh, a scholar commentator from, uh, called R.T. France and uh, Richard uh, Thomas France. And he's like writing about this passage and you know, millions of others in the book of Matthew where he's an expert. And he's saying, there's a few cultural nuances that it's, that it's possible that we have missed. First of all, the word resist in its original context, um, has a defensiveness about it. In fact, it, the overtones of the word come with a, a violently resist. So uh, you resist by acting out, by lashing out, by getting even with interest. And Jesus is saying, if somebody wrongs you, do not resist them violently. Do not even the score. Don't get even with interest. And then three examples of what to do. And the first one that he gives is, uh, is an interesting one where he says, if someone uh, slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And sometimes you're reading the Bible, at least I am, and I come across something and I say, it sounds like oddly specific, right? That they're like getting at something that maybe I, I totally miss. Like why Jesus is... Like calls out and say, well, if it's the right cheek, then, then maybe act accordingly this way. In um, R.T. France, he says, I, could it be that, that what Jesus means is not to simply do nothing? As opposed to resisting violence, violently, which he says, don't do. We think he's saying, listen, do nothing. But actually, Jesus doesn't say do nothing. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, I've noticed in these cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, uh, particularly in the first century here when this was written, everything is hierarchical, right? I mean, there's uh, levels of uh, top dogs, top guys, and then kind of like right down on the list. And and France says that, uh, he goes, in a way, violence was the same way. I mean, if you're going to slug something out with somebody, if you're just going to really have it out with them. Two guys, business partners that went bad, I don't know, something. And they got violent with each other. And they start like punching and hitting, right? Everything that was done in that culture, everything was done with your right hand. Except for a couple things, and you can Wikipedia those later. But people use their right hands. And so if you're going to hit somebody, it's like left is you know, blocking maybe. You're going to hit them with your right hand. This is going to be a like a fun exercise in here. But I want you to pretend like I'm, like I'm boxing all of you, right? And I hit you. Which cheek do I hit you on? Left cheek. Closed fist, you want to inflict violence, you pound him on that left cheek. Jesus isn't talking about that. He's oddly specific about being Not hit, but being slapped on the right cheek. Again, you did everything with your right hand. So if you're going to hit somebody, not on the right, but on the left, everything is hierarchical. So what he's saying when the situations, the scenarios that would call for slapping somebody backhand across the, the right cheek would be like a owner of a property reprimanding a servant, a low-level servant in the house. What did you do? I can't believe you did it this way. Smack. 
There's a hierarchy to it, even among violence. Even in the hit, adding injury to insult, you know, you did it wrong and now I'm teaching you a lesson. He'd backhand him across the, the right cheek. France goes on to describe, you know, this is situation is permeate like everything, all kinds of different ways. So you could show contempt for somebody. If you want to show somebody this is where I think, exactly where I think you are, you don't hit them because then you're saying we're, we're somewhat on the same level here. You're a business partner or a family member or something. No, no, no. I backhand slap you on the right cheek to show you I think you're nothing. I think you're below me. I, it's a show of contempt. To which Jesus says, don't do nothing. You get slapped, turn the other cheek, turn the right cheek. Essentially, only give them the option of closed hand punching you. Or at least trying to slap you awkwardly on the right cheek. (laughs) Don't resist them. Don't act violently toward them, even even though you could. Give up that right. Turn the other cheek and demand that they treat you not with contempt, but as an equal. France goes on, and he says, in all the scenarios, in all the situations, uh, the second one, for example, here, where he says, hey, if somebody wants to sue you, and this is like over-the-top kind of Jesus language, but if somebody wants to sue you for your shirt, give them your jacket as well. Friend says, fun little um, side note on this is that uh, like 90% of the population was so poor, so broke, they could really only afford two garments. It was a shirt and there was a coat or a, a, like a robe or like something to wear over that when it got cold out at night, very cold out at night. And, and the shirt, uh, it wasn't like a t-shirt, you know, that like came down, no, no. The shirt was something more like a robe or like a tunic that would go all the way down um, to your, to your ankles, and it's long sleeves as well. So, something like underwear, or I hate to say snuggy, but that's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> and then you'd have a jacket to put on over that, and those were, your, those were your two garments. He goes, if somebody wants to sue you to take your, your undergarment, your, your shirt, give them your other one as well. <laughs> Picture the... the the scene in front of the judge. He wronged me, and I'm, I want his, the shirt off from his back. Fine. <laughs> you know what? Go ahead and take my coat as well. What am I wearing? <laughs> Some people are happy they're listening to this online right now. No. <laughs> uh, the person is left completely in the nude, completely naked. The funny thing about the Middle Eastern culture is there was was an honor-shame-based culture, as we mentioned before. And it'd be highly shameful to walk around naked, but not for the one who was naked. The weird thing about the culture is that the the shame laid on the one who saw them naked. Think of the story of Noah, you know, back in, in Genesis with Noah the animals. Little known fact, after the flood story, he uh, grew a vineyard, grapes, fermented them, got tanked, and passed out completely naked. It's a true story. Uh, it's in the Bible. You can look it up. And his sons found him. And there was a shame there, but the shame did not fall on Noah. The, the shame fell on the son who saw him there. 
Back to the Jesus story about the guy standing naked before the judge and the person suing him. Fine, you want my shirt so bad, you're being so petty, take my shirt, take my coat as well, and I'm left standing here naked. Shame on you. Who's holding the cards, right? Who's pulling the strings now? The fascinating thing about it, right, is that Jesus says, don't act violently towards someone, even though they might act violently towards you, but find this creative alternative. You don't lie down and, and passively accept your fate as well. Shame on you. You know, turn the, the cheek. And then the final one, um, nothing to do about spouses encouraging um, exercise, regular exercise, uh, about forcing somebody to go a mile, but uh, in the culture, the uh, Jewish uh, population lived in, under occupation of the Romans and the soldiers kind of walking down the paths all the time. And the soldiers had a, a ton of gear with them as they do even today. And the rules were, the laws were, that a soldier could pick somebody out of a crowd and make them carry their stuff, their gear, for up to but not exceeding a mile. And the, the the people, as you can imagine, I mean, they hated this. They detested it because not only did they live under this occupation all the time, but also they were constantly getting interrupted with what they were doing to, to have to be to forced to carry this stuff for a mile and then back. It's just degrading on every level. And Jesus says, no, no, do not act violently towards that person. Do not resist an evil person. Evil is his word. But if somebody forces, if someone pulls you out of the crowd and forces you a mile, <laughs> you want to mess with someone? keep going. Listen, your mile's up. You're off duty. Put it back on the, on the mules here. No, I'm good. Keep it going. The commander sees, you know, I'm just imagining a thousand different ways of this playing out. The commander sees what, what's going on. They, whoever's in charge of the troop. Listen, how long has this guy been with you? You know the rules. You don't carry him more than a mile. Who's holding the cards? Who's pulling the strings? You're trying to force me to go a mile. You know what? You cannot force me to go a mile because I'm going to volunteer to go too. Who's in charge? Who's running the show? Who's pulling the strings? All through it, right, we see Jesus just kind of taking this Old Testament eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and he sees how people have twisted it into, God wants me to get even. And he goes, A, that's never meant, that, that's never what that meant, what it was supposed to be about. You're supposed to leave it up to the state or up to God to get revenge, not your own personal vendetta. And B, you have so twisted this into getting even with interest. And I'm telling you, you know what? Just forget about your right to get even altogether. But if somebody wrongs you, if you have a sister who's in a relationship right now that's nasty and that's violent, you don't have to do nothing either. You don't treat it violently. You don't become a vigilante, but you don't lie down and passively accept it either. Jesus gives three examples of just finding this creative third alternative. And there's a, a bizarre like thread kind of running through it that, that's hard to pick up. I didn't pick it up. I got it from uh, author Dale Bruner. And he goes, you know, it's weird how when Jesus is, is saying these words in, in three verses, 
He refers to the, the person who wrongs you, the person, the one, um, seven times. Uh, first off, calling it, hey, there's this evil person, right, who wrongs you, who mistreats you. And there's a few examples of that. And seven times he goes, and he, go, he says it's an awkward kind of sentence structure, the way, he, the, the way he describes not just the situation that happened. This is how to deal with, with difficult situations in life. No, no, no. He goes, this is how to deal with the person, the evil person, if the one or the person, if anyone, is translated here, slaps you, if anyone, if the person, it says, if verse 41, if anyone forces you, give to the one, do not turn away from the one. I mean, it's like he goes out of his way to describe not just the situation, but the person. I think Jesus is answering the question, listen, somebody wronged me. What choice do I have? And he's saying, you don't, you don't have to get even with interest. You don't have to passively accept it. But this is what you ought to do. Look not just at the situation, the circumstances. You look at the person. You deal with the person. And the way that Jesus describes the situation, it's almost like he cares so deeply about the person, not the circumstances, that even though he refers to him, first off, as an evil person, it's like, whatever you do, don't shut the door on change. Don't shut the door on the possibility that God could do something with his heart. If, um, if you get even with interest, there's a pretty good chance that you're shutting the door on God changing that heart. If you just lie down and, and passively accept the fate, if you do nothing, there's a pretty good chance that we're shutting the door on change ever happening. He says, no, 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 no. I want you all, my followers, to be agents of change, to look at not just the situation, but the person behind them and invite God to inflict change. Change, by the way, and the Greek word is the same as repentance. I just want to give an example, show a picture about what this could be like. It's extreme, I, I know, but inspiring at the same time. There's a, a picture of a woman uh, staring out of a window. And if you just see this picture on its own, you know, it looks like doing nothing, doesn't it? It looks like riding along. This uh, picture was taken in Montgomery, Alabama, and the young woman sitting there is Rosa Parks. And she's not acting violently, but she's certainly not doing nothing either. She's invoking change, leading the way even, inviting the opportunity to change an evil social structure and turn it around. It's a Palm Sunday this week. This time, a Christian calendar, when we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and it's Palm Sunday because everybody's waving palm branches and celebrating that their Messiah had come. And Jesus doesn't celebrate with them. He weeps over them because he knows that it's only a few days from now these people will turn on him and will ask for his death. 
and hanging on the cross. He accepts that. But we see someone just hanging there, not acting violently, certainly not doing nothing, but inviting God to change us, our sins. I invite you to leave this place this week with two thoughts on your mind. Number one is not the circumstances, but with the people that I meet. How can I invite God to change their hearts? And number two, how did Jesus change mine? I invite you to stand up and let's pray together. Gracious God, by your Holy Spirit, we will need you to invite the change into our own lives to, to deal well with the people that we, we meet this week. Uh, God, we, we ask for an immeasurable amount of your grace and patience. Lord, that we might have the words to say or the actions to do, wisdom to know about all of this, courage to follow through on it. God, and most of all, you, you have started this. You have started the repentance, the change in our lives, in our world. Grace us with the vision just to see a picture of it this week. In your name we pray, amen.